All right, um, Logan, welcome to the studio corner. This is it? It started? It started. Oh, nice. We are recording. We're somewhat live. <laughs> somewhat li- Oh, I got you. I see what you're saying. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, good it's to have cool you on here. I'm, I'm honored, dude, even though I'm not a magi- or not <laughs> a magician. <laughs> you know, man? <laughs> a musician. This is, this is not the podcast for... I mean, you know, if you're a magician and you want to come on, sure, uh, you're on stage doing it, so... It's some sort of entertainment, but it'd be pretty cool if you're a magician. Yeah, I kind of wish I was a magician. You know what? I think I'd have you come on and do your tricks for me, and I'd like try to describe to people what are ha- what's happening. And that would be th- that's the, that's the future of magic, dude. Just the podcast magic, where something <laughs> you just describe what podcast kind of podcast magic. Wow, <laughs> that's what we'll call it. That okay? Shut this down. We're starting our new podcast, podcast magic, where I'm gonna do card tricks in front of you, and you're just gonna describe them to people. Okay? I wouldn't even know where to begin to describe a card trick. This Let alone an actual is, trick. No, this is what it's going to be. It's just going to be audio of us. I'm going to be like, okay, pick a card. This is all you're going to hear. Pick a card. Okay. You remember your card? Yeah. Okay, good. And like, it'll be like 20 seconds. Was this your card? No. no well, you're going to say yes, though. But that's going to be the <laughs> podcast. Just so a bunch of that. Trick. We're just going to make up the dialogue for it to describe No, but I'll be doing the tricks. But that's what Are you having. capable of that? Uh, actually, I used to be way into magic. When Are I you was, serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I know him anymore, but I knew some. So you went from magic characters. to comedy, huh? Yeah. Dude, <laughs> comedy is magic. It's not sometimes. too far of a step. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of comedic I might uh, be, aspects. Yeah, I might be a comedic magician. Maybe. That's the next. That's where my career's taking me. I'd like to see that act. Yeah, so You probably don't. Before we <laughs> dive into this, you, among many other people, have asked about this golden rod sitting on the desk here. Yes. Um, I consider it the mascot for the podcast. I don't know what it is. It was given to me. It's just, I think it's a defected piece of like art. <clears throat> Who gave it to you? Like a, uh, so my dad is doing like all these is a business of like furniture and fa- like really high end stuff uh-huh. regarding furniture and, uh, design work. And I went down to the factory a few weeks back and he just handed this to me as I was leaving. He's like, Hey, you can have this. I'm like, <laughs> I grabbed it, looked at it. I was like, Okay. So I took it and I, it fit nice on the desk. I've been trying to name it. Uh, I gave you a name, dude. I forget what the name was, but I gave you a name for sure. I don't remember what the name was, but I'm pretty sure I didn't like it. It was the Golden Something. It was one of those. I forget what they're called. Uh, oh yeah, you made some reference. Snar- uh, no one knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Like 90% of the time. But they they look similar though. <laughs> they look nothing alike. <laughs> they look nothing alike. <laughs> For anybody listening, if you go on the social media and see the videos of the studio corner, you'll see the golden rod. And if anybody's got any suggestions, please uh, send them my way for the name. But, Logan, you are a comedian. Yes, sir. Yes, I am. An up-and-comer, huh? Up-and-comer. So I I was at your show last night. We hung out a little bit. Yeah. It was a pretty good show. Always good to see you, dude. Down at uh, Flappers Comedy Club Flappers Comedy Club. Yes, sir. So tell me about it. What, uh... Talk about the show. I want to hear what you felt on stage among oh, okay. ten other comedians. So um, yesterday was it was a competition, and I thought it would be good, be a good idea to because it was the second round of the competition, and you guys along with some other people were at the like some of my friends were at the first round, and that's where I did my like proven material, strong material, and like two weeks <coughs> later, we is the next round of the competition. And I'm like, huh, well, I don't want my friends to see the same material, so I'm going to write new stuff on Monday and then do <laughs> it on Wednesday. You wrote that, too? I wrote that on Monday. Oh, my goodness. So uh, that's why my timing was off. So pretty much what happened was it started off strong about 
two and a half, three minutes in, I realized I'm not going to have time to finish the, this joke. <laughs> and I kind of had to rush through it. So it's uh, yesterday was like I, I realized why I really need to like stick with my in – a, in a competition situation like that or like a, a legit show, I need to stick with my proven material. And uh, not try to get. To, it, it wasn't like a disaster. It it was. It went pretty well. Got third still. Oh well, yeah, you got in but, third place. I wouldn't call it a disaster. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, I and just. Again, I, people it, say I laugh at everything, so don't <laughs> take my word for that one. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I just kind of wish I would have um, done my proven stuff instead, because there was other people there who did their same exact material. Yeah, as no, the first noticed, time, they just yeah. stuck with their strong stuff. But I was like, you guys are coming out to see me. I don't want to do the same stuff you guys already saw. I like that attitude more. Uh, I mean, it's good to care about the competition, but you're more interested in the, it, pleasing the crowd. Yeah. And yeah. I have a— That's rule number one, entertain. Rule exactly. number one is you got to entertain. And you, and you know me. It's uh, I have a very like risk-taking personality. Oh, you, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? What's the worst thing that could happen, dude? Let's go for it. And it was it was It's not like anyone's going to fight you. Yeah. Exa- well. It's funny. Uh, not that there's like a—, a specific look for a comedian because you know yeah there's not let there's not a look there's not a way to dress to be a comedian but when you think comedian you're like the last guy like <laughs> visually like i don't know you're just like you look like an athlete you look like you belong on the football field with like pro players and you walk <laughs> on stage with a microphone everyone's like who the hell's this guy and you say the most absurd things ever so it's like i guess it works because yeah. you can get away with pretty much anything because no one's gonna be like i'm gonna fight this guy <laughs> later <laughs> I've actually had a couple situations where people have threatened to fight me after my, uh, but like at open mics. At, uh, <laughs> Walk me through one of these. <laughs> so like in Las Vegas, there's this uh, place called the Dive Bar. And wow, creative! I love it. It's the most dive bar place. Well, and yeah. there's, <laughs> I'd hope so. It, there's like it's like a biker bar. There's like really sketchy people in there, and I remember once I came off stage and this super hammer guy called me over. He's like, hey, man, you can't do that joke anymore. And I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing the joke. And he like, got mad at me, and his friend came up. He's like, no, dude. He's like, I'm telling you, just go get a drink and walk away. If you don't want problems, go get a drink and walk away. I was like, all right. But it was it, it was longer. That was like the summary of it. But the guy was like getting in my face and stuff. I'm like, all right, uh, this guy's hammered. I'm like, I mess with this crazy person who hangs out here for fun. <laughs> like, anyone who hangs out there for fun is a maniac. That, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And then there was another time when so I was you're on a regular stage. Now. What? So you're a regular now. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, it's <laughs> yeah. It's I'm a regular. Right up. Your I'm, alley. I'm there at least. Yeah, I'm there every week. Nice. But uh, yeah. Then there was another time where I was on stage and someone yelled out something to me, and then at that like normally you don't want to hen- handle heck- hecklers too aggressively, but at this place you had like assert your dominance quickly, <laughs> so I just immediately Jesus. threatened him back. And what'd was, you say to him? Um, I think I made fun of his teeth or something, and but I came <laughs> at him really because this was a while ago. But pretty much what happened was he's like, "Why don't you come back here and uh and, and take a look or something?" And he like threatened to fight me. I'm like, "I don't want to have teeth like you after this." And <laughs> then I I kind of like made fun of myself. And then after the the set, he came up to me. And he's like, oh, man, that was really funny. Can I get you a drink? <laughs> yeah, because he probably was drunk, said something stupid, and saw you. He was like, maybe I shouldn't fight this guy. Yeah, I think, you know, he, he liked it when uh, he liked it when I kind of made fun of myself, and he could tell I wasn't actually, like, well, trying to a lot, There's a lot, of, a lot more to learn about being a stand-up comic than just uh, handling a crowd, avoiding yeah. bad situations. Yeah. So the way I figured, I mean – you know, most people see this as a music podcast. Basically, mm-hmm. my my whole goal here is to bring entertainers on, 
anybody in the industry of entertainment, whether they're performing, managing, whatever it may be, even fans. Mm -hmm. And when I saw you, you know, perform the first time, I was like, damn, this guy is right in the thick of it. <laughs> and I, I related to you because, you know, I'm a aspiring songwriter, musician, guitar player, you know, all that stuff. I want to release my music. I want to do all the same things. I thought to myself, there's, there's a whole, I don't know if they have it in the comedy world, but in the music world, there's the pay your dues concept. Oh, yeah. Where, like, you pay your dues, you play all the shitty shows, you play all the crappy clubs and this and that. You got to pay your dues and learn your lessons. And there's, uh, there's a lot of truth behind that. You learn a lot uh, about your own sets, about your performance, about crowds and what to deal with, this and that. So I figured you'd be the perfect guy to bring on because we're in similar states or stages of our career, if you will. And I figured we'd compare them. Because yeah. I've never actually gotten the perspective of a comedian. I think, I think com comedy is, in my opinion, is the absolute hardest thing to do in, in regards to going on stage and performing something. I think it's the most difficult one. I think it requires the most focus, and I think it's the most brutal. So I want to I wanna dive into it with you. So we'll do like a little back and forth of I want to I wanna hear your stories, and then I'll, I'll share mine and see what happens. Sounds good. I like, the, I like where this is going. Yeah. So... Uh, so you were talking about how you were, you had stronger material. Do you ever repeat sets? Like, do you repeat them like exactly, or do you change them up a little bit? Same jokes, totally different jokes. What what do you try to do when you go on stage there? So when I do a joke the first time, it's kind of like, okay, is there any traction here? Can I is or do I completely just throw this out? So I'll do it. The first time I do it, it's like if there's some chuckles or something, there's some laughs. I'm like, there's something here, and then it's slowly refining it and refining it more and more. Uh, until, and that's like the individual jokes. And then once you have some jokes, you kind of get your best jokes and put them together into a set, whether it's five minutes, whether it's 10 minutes, but like a, a tight five, a tight 10. And so that you have your transitions and everything. You have your jokes that work, and then you have transitions now. So the jokes are transitioning together. And every time you go on, like, I'll record my sets. So once I'm done, I'll listen to it. And I'll be like, okay, I'll listen for the laughs and, like, what, what I'm doing wrong, too. Like, okay, the wording here is a little weird. Or this got a laugh. Th there was There's, like, this long gap right here where there's no laughs. Maybe I should just take this part out or add something in there to get a little, even if it's not, like, a huge joke, just a little chuckle, something. So before you decide to try it out, how do you know, how do you know when the joke is ready? Um, it, so it depends. With, like, a one-liner... I'll write it out and it, just like based off feel. I'm like, this is this is funny to me. You know, I'll, I'll try this out on stage. With some of the longer jokes, it's me talking to myself in the car, and uh, <laughs> and then I'm like driving by. Who the hell's that crazy person? <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm just talking. I'm like talking it out. I'm like, okay, there's something here. There's enough to work with to get on stage and at, at least try to throw some stuff out there. See what sticks. See what doesn't. And then from there, be like, okay, this works. I'll take this part of the joke. I'll write it out. And now once I have it written out, I'll kind of be like, okay, let's get some more jokes in there now. There's a funny concept. You know, there were some laughs. They see where I'm going with it. And okay, now so let's dig deeper into this. And then there's some other stuff where I'll try it on stage, and it gets nothing. And you could tell, like, okay, that was – that was a stretch. That's not funny. Yeah. Or it's been like people have said it too many times. You know, worded differently. Yeah. It might work. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's all just kind of going up. You you won't really know if it's funny until you try it. 
So is there so there I guess with that being said, is there any sort of like formula that you have before you go on stage and do a joke that that you like run through that says this is a joke I'm going to try on stage and this is what's not going to work or is and isn't. I mean, is there a formula that you have that you stick to, like a strict one, or is it just kind of free form? You write a joke and just go from there. So right now I like to – I have enough – I have some material that I know works. So I'll start with my strong stuff normally that, that is proven because at least I, I could use that as kind of a baseline because if I'm getting nothing off my jokes that I know are proven, I, I'm like, okay, this is kind of a – I've used these jokes so many times and they've worked. And if I'm getting nothing right now, this could be a bad night. There could be something off with me tonight. But it's not a good baseline to see if these new jokes are going to work. So if I try out my strong jokes and they work, I'm like, okay, now let's get into the new stuff. I I know they're willing to laugh. I know that you know they're paying attention. So now if I try this new stuff and they, I get nothing, there's something wrong with the joke. If I try the new stuff... And it's, you know, there's something there. I'm, okay, I have something to work with here. And then, it, like I said, refining it. And then I, I like to end with another, even if it's just a short joke, a strong joke. So if you start off with your strong stuff and the, and the audience isn't responding, do you see so what you're saying is you don't go for the new stuff after that? You stick to what you know. Um, it, <clears throat> so if it's like a, if it's an open mic, I might just work on my more crowd work. Okay. stuff because it's, you know it's not a real show we're all just there no one's paying we're all just there to kind of work on our jokes yeah so i'll be like jokes aren't going to work tonight i'm not going to get much from just you know trying to see if something's funny or not i'm going to do work on crowd work so maybe i'll just start to make jokes about the room start to make jokes about you know like people there that's a whole art in itself it seems yeah so th- yeah that's definitely <laughs> tough to to get down but um like in dive bars, places, not just the dive bar, but any kind of dive bar. Like I had a show in L.A. not too long ago where it was a dive bar and people were going up there and they were starting off right into their jokes and it wasn't working for them. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I've s- you you go to those dive bars enough times, you're like, jokes aren't going to work right out of the gate. you got to do some crowd work or something. you to got to give them a reason to give a shit g- about it. Get them on your side. Get them at least paying attention. See, now I relate to that a lot. Because, you know, being a comedian, like I said, I, I think it's harder. Uh, you're not playing an instrument or anything like that, but I think it's, you're a lot more vulnerable on stage without an instrument. Um, so I relate to that a lot in the sense of, you know, I'm a solo act. You're a solo act, obviously. You're a stand-up <laughs> comic. Uh, it's just me and a guitar up there. And, I, yeah, I've been to uh, – I think when I first started playing shows in L.A., I kind of just went up there with a set and performed my set and didn't – you know, I, I said a few things in between – uh, songs and whatnot, but it wasn't very confident. It wasn't very, you know, project. It wasn't. It didn't project. And you start to see how the crowd changes and how the room, you know, start to learn how to read a room and ha- being able to manipulate within set or even within song, within joke, like in the middle of things, maybe word it differently because this crowd seems to react to this. Like I realized right off the bat, that is an incredibly important aspect of any performing, oh, yeah, especially definitely. as a musician. Like you know, you're going up there and pouring your heart out with you know your music. Um, you know, so if you play a song that you that's already set in motion, like the song's finished, you can't just like you know decide to rewrite it halfway through the song. You yeah. know, you sing the fucking song, you play the song, and after that, if you don't get a response out of that, it's almost like the what you say in between that song and the one you're gonna play after 
really is going to determine if people are going to listen or not because you've already set in, a, set in motion some sort of emotion or effect on the room with your music or with a joke. And then there's that, like you talked about, a transition, like the transitions of speaking in between those things. That's where the crowd work comes in. So yeah. I totally feel that. But lucky, you know, for me, I can hide, not hide, but you know, I have my music. So like I play a song and then I have to deal with that. And then I play a song and then I have to deal with yeah. that. Now there's a different way to work with crowds when you're playing, but as a comedian, you, you don't have a song. Like you just have jokes. You're talking. Yeah. So there's, there's no like breaks in between. You have to have that in control the whole time. So, I mean, like, I mean, you watch a Netflix special with like a, a professional comedian. They seem like they're doing it so fluidly. Are when you watch those, do you see them uh, using techniques or things that you notice that are the crowd pleasers or the transitions working the room, or is it just like a set that worked? Um, well, it, it kind of depends. You have your your typical. There's like different kinds of comedians. You have your typical like joke writer. You know, like setup punchline. You know, uh, setup punchline and that kind of comedian where it's more right of then you have more of like the storytellers who are kind of they're more like characters on stage i feel like that's more la comedians are a lot because you know you a lot of people come to la to act or to get on tv and then you see like the new york comedians and they're more like joke writers yeah so it's a, a difference there one it's like you gotta have an act when you're out here yeah kind of you, you don't have to but that's what you tend to see more so i would say just because hollywood you know um but yeah, and then when it comes to like sticking to your set, there's like one uh, album which is hilarious. It's uh, Todd Berry. He's a comedian and he's hilarious. But he has this crowd work. I forget what's uh, I forget what it's called. It might just be called Todd Berry crowd work or something. <laughs> but his whole the whole album is him doing crowd work, and it's it's Jesus. amazing. It's so funny. But yeah, like so, just totally improv. Like he walks on stage and just works with it. Yeah, he so he'll, a, he'll ask someone a question, like, what do you do? And they'll kind of get into talking. And that's the whole album is just him making different jokes like that. And it, it, it's so funny. But that's a whole art in itself. Yeah, I mean, do you think that – do you think people just have to be naturally funny to be able to do that? Or is there, like, an actual step-by-step training program that you could do it that anybody could stand up there and work a crowd properly and make it work? I think some people are obviously naturally better at it than yeah. others. But there's uh, – just the more you get up and do it, you know, the more if you're up there every night, work, you know, either, you know, doing your jokes or working on crowd work, you know, you have those when you know it's a night where it's like, OK, this might be a good time to it's a rough room. Maybe try to work on my crowd work here. You'll yeah. get better at uh, crowd work. There's this comedian in Las Vegas, um, Tom Garland, and he's really good at crowd work when it, uh, when he'll still stump. Ugh. He'll sometimes stop by open mics and just do straight up crowd work, and he just kills with it. And you see how valuable that is when everyone else the whole night is bombing because we're just trying to like work on jokes, work on jokes. And he comes up and he kind of relates to the crowd, and he's making jokes about the room, jokes about the people there. <clears throat> because from an audience perspective, if someone goes up there and instead of – if you see him doing jokes – you know, you think, okay, this is rehearsed. You, you're not, like, saying this to yourself. Yeah. But, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, this is rehearsed. This is an act. He's done this so many times. When you see someone doing crowd work, you're like, oh, this is a funny guy. He's doing this off of the top of his head. And they give you a little more leeway with that, too, because they see you making jokes about the guy sitting right next to you. They're like, well, it's oh. more vulnerable. Yeah. It's more real. You know, it's uh, there's a documentary called It Might Get Loud, Jack White from the White Stripes and Rack and Tears and whatnot. 
uh, he made a movie where he sits down with Jimmy Page and The Edge from Zeppelin and U2. They talk about guitar playing and whatnot, but there's a scene where Jack White talks about playing live, and he makes a comment about uh, having things too planned out. And he talks about it basically as a musician talking in between the songs, like I had said before. He's like, if you have like the rehearsed script for what you're going to say, he said it doesn't matter if someone's musically inclined or understands music or just has any knowledge whatsoever. People can feel that rehearsed aspect. He's like, if you just go up there with the music you want to play and you pay attention to the crowd, and, like you really listen, and you just are yourself, regardless of what people may judge you by, they're always going to walk away with an honest opinion of you. And he says like that is – I mean, he basically made it clear that that was more than half the battle is that time. So once again, being a comedian, that's that's like almost step one. If you don't have that foundation, it seems impossible. Yeah. No one's going to listen to you. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just it's so true. You got to – and the thing is too is not just thinking on your feet up there, and it's not even the crowd work aspect of it. With these guys who have been doing it for, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, they've been doing it for so long that they've seen it so many times before – that it might seem like, oh my God, he's just doing this off the top of his head. Where this could have happened to him a couple times. Someone's given that same exact answer. Yeah. Or something similar, and it's something to work with. He's been in the similar room where he can make similar jokes about the room, and it, you know. Just well, see, that's where the pay your like dues that. concept comes in. Like, yeah. It's it's hard to it's a hard pill to swallow, especially as an up and coming entertainer, musician, comedian, whatever, even a magic act. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the pay your dues because those those shitty clubs. I mean, I've told this story on here before, but I mean, I, I played a show at the Mint in L.A. and I remember it was like a Sunday night, terrible time, super late, no one was there, and there was like a bunch of people at the bar, and uh, and they just weren't listening. And there was like this 30-foot gap from the stage to the bar, and oh, no one was there. That's always good, dude. Man, that's what you it was, want, right? It was like one of the hardest, <laughs> it was one of the hardest shows I had to play. I was I was so demoralized, even like, not even after the set. Like, before I, like, I got there, saw what was going on, I got on stage, and felt like, just felt like an asshole. Like, oh, I was like, why the fuck did I come down here? Like, <laughs> who am I to make anybody in here listen? They obviously don't want to listen. Yeah. And it was mo- it's moments like those where you take away such valuable information so the next time it happens, and it could, like you said, it, it happens all the time. I mean, that yeah. guy, you know, I've experienced that mul- multiple times already. I'm only, you know, I've only been doing this for so long, especially the live performing aspect of it. And in those situations, I have like a number of tech or tricks to pull out. You know, it's yeah. not the same every time, but it's like, oh, I know that this song or maybe this riff or saying this funny thing that applies to the next song that I can put here, you know, those things start to add up. So I guess there's really no, even I guess in both realms, both comedy, uh, comedy and music, there's really no way to teach that unless you go up there and figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Even if someone's done it a million times, it's still yeah. new. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. incredible. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, uh, just time doing it, it makes all the difference, whether it's crowd work or like you said, like written jokes or like in music, the same thing. So, for so when I'm prep, so when I'm setting up for a for a show and I got to put a set together, mm-hmm. so obviously I practice the songs and I want to have an order of songs. So order of songs is one of the most, I mean, and I can't stress stress this enough. One of the most crucial aspects to playing a live show as a musician. Mm-hmm. The order of your songs, whether it's what they're about, whether it's the mood, how heavy, how light, you know what it is like that. That it has to flow. People have to be on that emotional journey with you, and you have to know, you know, you have to vibe with it. It yeah. can't just be one random thing after the other. Uh, it's got to make sense. It's almost like telling a story. You wouldn't start, you know, between the middle and end, and then switch over to the beginning and all that stuff. Yeah. There has to be a theme to it. Exactly. Uh, so song order is so important. So I mean, I I spend a lot of time. So say like I'm playing an hour set, and say there's like 15, 16 songs in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, I really got to sit down and think about which song I'm going to start with. How do I grab the crowd? What's after that? You know, what kind of mood am I going for? This and that. Uh, what am I going to end with? You know, what's the last? Maybe I'm going to play an instrumental act at the end. What's the last song I sing before the instrumental? So all that stuff is so crucial when you're playing a live show. So as a as a comedian with jokes, do you have like a when you're when you're you're getting ready to go up on a show? Do you have a a way of deciding what order the jokes are going to go in? One hundred percent. So I usually like to start off with you want to start off with a strong joke and you want to close with a strong joke for sure. Like your strong, those are your strongest jokes. Um, I like to my opening joke. I like to use that Catholic. Uh, my mom wants to date me. Wants me to date a Catholic girl joke because it's a strong joke. It always gets laughed and it's quick. So it gets that quick laugh. It's not a long buildup. Yeah, you want to get that first laugh as soon as possible. People are judging you before you walk on the stage. Exactly. You know, it's like I, you know, for me, I can go on stage and people are judging me. I don't have to sing. I can just sit there and do a ripping freaking solo on the acoustic guitar and people are like, oh wow, this guy can play. I've already got them that far. Yeah. But for you, you got to walk on stage and say something. Yeah. <laughs> like that's 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 brutal, man. I I I admire you. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Um, oh no. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's crazy to me. But yeah, no. Uh, exactly. You want to? Uh, yeah. Same with. You, you got to get their respect from the beginning. Yeah. Like, if you go up and you're just fucking playing something that, you know, everyone can play at home, I'm <laughs> sure they're going to be like, dude, this guy. They're all going to go back to the bar and grab a find drink. this guy at the local freaking frat party or something <laughs> trying to serenade some chicks. Give me that G chord. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's the same thing because if you start off with a mediocre joke, they might chuckle. They'll be like, okay, is this guy funny? And then you have the stronger joke later. You're like, oh, they'll still laugh, but it'll be – It'll be much weaker if you start off with a strong one, and then you have st- some stuff. Maybe you still want to be funny, but yeah. maybe it's not as good <laughs> as that goal. first joke. It's uh, they'll still be willing to laugh because you proved yourself with that first joke, and then you want your la- your closer to be really strong too because you want to leave them with a really good impression. Oh, absolutely, of, all entertainment. Yeah, when, before you walk off stage, you see, I mean, it's almost like save the best for last kind of thing. Like for my sets. Uh, when I play, it, it doesn't matter how many songs I'm playing or how short or long my set is, I always finish with an instrumental. And I mm-hmm. have like this jam that I wrote out that has, shows all kinds of different techniques. And it's on an acoustic guitar, so people don't expect it. And I always leave them with that. I don't sing anything because, you know, I'm stronger in my guitar playing. Mm-hmm. And every time, like, and I've tried, I've tried different sets a few times where I don't finish with that. And it's not that it's bad, but it's incredible the difference because it's not that people aren't listening the whole time or pay attention to your set, but when you leave them with something so powerful that they walk up to you and they have to tell you what they just saw, like that's yeah. that's what that's the response you want to get. So yeah. I mean, once again, for writing a joke, uh, like do you do you have a specific type of joke that you like to keep for last? Like is it a is it a joke about religion? Is it a joke about, you know, your family, a joke about modern day society? Is it like specific jokes that are sh- that you go for? Um mostly just whatever ends with a, a Maybe a longer joke that ends with a strong laugh. So, um, so you kind of you kind of like won their you know won their favor. So now you can tell them a long joke that has more depth, and by the time you get to the punchline, it's more yeah, impactful. Yeah, exactly. And like yesterday, that was part of the problem. I like once again, I, I said I was trying new stuff yesterday, which was a problem because <laughs> when you do it at an open mic, you know people they'll especially in front you. of other comedians, they're like, huh, that's that's the laugh you'll get. Okay, so you're timing your set. Okay, perfect. I got five minutes here. Yesterday, when you're doing an actual show, which is I, – I should have let you know. I know this, but I didn't factor in enough. When they laugh at your jokes, they're laughing. That time that – you know, sometimes you got to pause in between yeah. jokes because that laugh's so long. And that adds up. 
Yeah. So by the time I get to that last joke yesterday, I was like, I'm not gonna have time to finish this. I gotta, and I, I had to start to rush through it, which was, uh, yeah, which was a problem. But um, and also because I was preparing for a seven minute set on Sunday that I'm doing, so that leaves me more time. So I, I was already trying to pack too much into one set. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that becomes a big issue. It's that de- it's that time like you have to account for. Like for example, same thing. You know, going on stage. Like if I if I I put a timer on when I run my sets. Like I'll play, you know, ten songs all the way through, and it'll be just on time. Uh, and then I'll realize that I like I love talking to the crowd. I love messing yeah. with them. I love doing that shit. I'm like shit. Add another five minutes. I got to take a song off. And like I've done that before. I've I've gone on stage, played a song, taken my time, laughed about stuff, played songs, and like. I'm maybe three quarters of the way through my set. I got like three, four songs left, and I only got time for one more. Oh, like that yeah. totally fucks you up. And you know, factoring that stuff in is so important when you go on stage. Yeah. And it's crazy because with a comedian, it's like it's not, it's not like for me, I got to talk in between, so I have to factor in how much I'm talking to the mm-hmm. the the crowd. But for you, you got to factor in how much time you're standing there and waiting for people to stop laughing. Like you don't have yeah. control over that. Yeah. Like there's way less control. That's nuts. <laughs> I, gotta, I mean, how do you how do you really factor in? Do you just like assume okay, if it's a really good joke, they're gonna laugh for like ten to fifteen seconds? Is it something like that? Yeah, you just kind of, I don't know. You kind of feel it out, you know. I, I, me personally, I just kind of feel it. I'm like, this is a re- about how much time it'll take. I, um, with you know, in between this joke, I feel like this will get a strong laugh, so I'll wait this much time here. But another problem was yesterday. I also started off with some like. I addressed the guy who was on stage before me. Remember the Mexican dude, the half Mexican oh, dude? Oh, yeah, yeah, So I addressed yeah. that, which got a decent laugh. And then I, I'm always kind of just going with whatever happens. So I'm like, oh, I could throw this joke in here, like yeah. right on the back of that. So I threw in an extra joke. And th- by the time that happened, from the from before I started my first joke, like that I actually had planned, I was already like 30 seconds behind, which is a big deal in a five-minute set. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. Damn, yeah. dude. So. <laughs> well, I mean, props to you though, because oh, you. <clears throat> because a lot of people, and I'm I can only assume in the comedic world, because I mean, I, I there's no way it's not, but a lot of people will go up there and just have no 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 le- leeway, no room. They'll right. say, "This is what I'm doing, start to finish, and I'm not going to stop. Nothing's going to change it." Like being able to act, like you said, be on your toes and respond and change it up in the middle of the set. Like that's a huge factor of it. You know, <clears throat> I was talking to a, a really f- famous world-renowned drummer on the podcast last week, and he uh, he made a comment about going to see shows, especially musicians. He's like, I don't want to go and watch you play the exact same thing that you played on the album. I can listen to the album. He's like, I want to go and see someone maybe mess up a little bit or a brand new guitar solo. Like maybe play the similar to the what the solo that you had, but you know, let loose a little bit if people are feeling. It. Make the song ten minutes if you have to. Things like that. Yeah. Like and that, those are the best kinds of bands. So I imagine it's the same thing. Like you know, maybe a comedian that you know, say you have your joke planned out, and like <clears throat> say there's. Uh, beginning middle and end of the joke and say you're at the middle of the joke and you're supposed to go to this next part of it but someone laughs and you start to break into another uh conversation i see this all the time on the specials and like uh, stand-up yeah. comedy like they'll stop in the middle of this long joke that's leading to a great punchline eventually but they'll stop for like almost five to ten minutes and go off on a rant with somebody or about something totally different without losing your attention like that is so yeah. incredible so i think as long i mean i wouldn't say last night was uh was 
you know, one of your worst shows. I think last night was probably one of the most beneficial shows. Yeah. As especially as an audience member and, you know, someone that's been on stage and dealt with similar things. I think last night was, was incredible for you. Yeah. I was excited to see you go through that because I could tell like you're doing it. You're going for it. You're not going to let any, you, got, you mean you were slipping up, but you were slipping up because you left that room to do it. Yeah. And you showed us like, Hey, I'm Logan. You know, I'm up here making fucking weird jokes. Yeah. You know, I'm not what you expected. I'm not like the other nine comedians that have been up here and just clearly, I mean, so clearly had that shit so planned out. That was one thing that frustrated me about last night. Mm-hmm. Like when I was there, I was like, you know, these guys, they, they're the guys and chicks. They, they, uh, they have these funny jokes and they're good ones, but they're just so not even rehearsed. Like they weren't even good at them. Like they didn't rehearse them. Oh. Like it was pretty clear. I'm a, I'm a hard ass when it comes to on stage performance. <laughs> Very hard. I'm, but uh, like it wasn't even well rehearsed, but the jokes were there and they just like, it was almost like I was waiting with them for the joke to end so I they can go you. to the next one. I wasn't in the joke with them. It's like when someone plays a song, it's like you want to be in the song. You want to be listening to the song as much as they are. You, you want to be playing it. You know, you're playing the music, but you want to be listening to it the same yeah. way they are. You want to be in that moment with them. You don't want them to be waiting like, all right, this song's almost over. I, or as a musician or as a performer, I'm, I'm waiting for this song to end so I can get to the next one because I think the next one's better. Like that mindset destroys you on stage. Yeah. And I think you did a phenomenal job with that last night. So, I uh, yeah, props to you. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> uh, so, go ahead. Oh, and I was say, yeah, with that, it's just like having that tight five and being able to go on stage and say, this is what I'm going to do and – like no matter what, I'm gonna do this set. That's like a good thing to have. It's a valuable tool to have. Like you have to be able to do that. You gotta commit. But if, yeah, but at the same time, if something goes wrong, you gotta be able to, you know, a- adjust with it. And there's, I- I'm kind of I I feel like sometimes I'm too. It's a blessing and a curse. I'm writing too much, or n- not writing too much, but I I I'm always writing new jokes. So I'm always trying new jokes, and I don't let myself. Build a, repeat the same stuff over and over. Where I get, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with like a, a lot of my jokes, but I always want to try new stuff, and I can't get on. There's not enough stage time to try it all and get comfortable with it all, so it becomes kind of a blessing and a curse. Trying, you know, writing the new stuff. Sure, I have like a lot of material I could always keep trying, but I need to let myself get. I, I have a, a tight set I could do. Yeah, but I need to keep doing it, and it's hard to get yourself. I'm sure you know like you have to keep doing this to stay good at it you have oh, to yeah. keep doing it because you there's no there's no other way yeah there's sure literally no other you've way. heard it you know a thousand times but these people have never heard it before and you have to keep it fresh make it seem like it's new to you too yeah. you know keep it fresh so it's just um yeah it's finding that balance between being able to add new stuff to your uh, to your set while at the same time keeping that tight go-to material that you could always use see with that being said you know i said this earlier rule number one you've got to entertain yeah so and this is going to sound super obvious and ridiculous but it's it's clearly not obvious (laughs) if you're going to be in the entertainment industry your first job is to entertain especially when you step on stage or in front of people and I'm all for, you know, standing by what you do. I, you know, that's 100%. You have to do that. Yeah. Uh, caring about what you do and bringing your own material to the stage or whatever it is. But regardless, when someone says you have to entertain, when I say you have to entertain, I'm not saying sell out and do what the audience wants. I'm saying you have a job to do that no one else in the room can do. Yeah. You put yourself in that position. Now, remember this, like, especially as a musician, for me, 
you know, something I, I tell myself almost every, literally every time before I go on stage, minutes before going on stage, I tell myself, who am I to go on stage and assume that what I have is so valuable that these people need to sit there and watch me? Mm-hmm. And not only does it hu- make you humble, but what it does is it, put, it puts me in the mindset saying, hey, I'm walking on stage and I have my music that I stand by. And I'm, I want them, if they're going to see anything selfish from me, I want them to see that I will not break. I will stand by what I do. Yeah. I'll bring that confidence to stage. Other than that, what I do is no more valuable than them listening. You know, yeah. putting myself on the same level as them because, one, you get to enjoy it a lot more, man. You get yeah. to enjoy it so much more. But people that go up there and, like, I get it. If you're new and you're starting out, you're going to mess up and this and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some people don't have as much charisma as others. Maybe some people don't have, much, have, have as much confidence or experience. Whatever it is, that's fine. But don't go up on stage at any point and assume that people need to be listening to you. Yeah, That will kill you. That will kill you faster than anything else as an entertainer. And that's why rule number one, you got to entertain, which means you got to go up there, not only be honest, bring your material, whatever it may be, but be true to it, stand by it, and then read the room like you talked about, you know, like, like any sort of performing. You got to read the room. You got to be in that moment and put yourself in the moment with those people. Yeah. And that's, that's such a crucial aspect because when I started doing that, my sets changed. You know, I stand by music. I think my music is good. You know, I think uh, people people always enjoy it. I always get compliments. You know, I'm great at what I do because I spent 20 years practicing. When I was five years old, I played till my fingers bled. I worked my ass off. Oh, dude, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do, and I'm not going to let anyone tell me I'm not. Yeah. However, when I walk on stage, I'm bringing my best package because I want to enjoy it with them. And if I can't yeah. enjoy it with them, then there's no reason for me to be there because that's entertainment. Yeah. People want to be a part of an experience. They come to see you do something they can't. So, like, you know, especially as a comedian, you walk on stage and say, I wrote these jokes and I thought they were funny. So why, you know, you guys need to sit here and listen to it. Can you imagine if you walked on stage with that attitude? Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's insane. That's crazy to me. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, like I said, I uh, props to you because, you know, the few times that I have seen you in the short sets, uh, you definitely, it's not even working the crowd. Like, you work the crowd, but there's a sense of genuine vulnerability that you bring but that doesn't say I'm insecure. It doesn't say I'm worried or concerned. It says I brought my best. I care about it. I want to see if you guys feel me. Yeah. I'm not here to make you feel me. That sounds real weird. <laughs> I'm dude, sure a lot of people would like to feel you. In the Me Too movement, dude, dude you can't the, be talking like the that. The freaking host last night made like five comments about your biceps. I oh, was like, yeah, dude, you got to stop doing that. Dude. <laughs> He's a comedian, not was, a freaking, uh, you know, <laughs> he was he's not going to take his shirt off. Stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> he was way into me, dude. Yeah, I he liked so you. Ha- I was so happy. Yeah. I was really into- yeah. And then he tried to, like, set me up with those like, yeah man that was so weird that was weird he like th- clearly the final act comes on and s- points out like the four high school girls in yeah. the crowd which i didn't i thought i thought it was a 21 and over event to be that's honest that's what i thought yeah me too it's a anyway he points out the freaking four high school chicks and then the after watching this for 30 minutes the host comes back on and basically tries to hook you up clearly a full-grown adult yeah you see my mustache dude that <laughs> yeah, screams it's not adult. A mustache. what'd you say it's not a mustache that's disrespectful first of all a little but... bit but it's a pretty shitty mustache <laughs> that's wow dude yeah no that was that was weird that was i think because everyone was laughing up until that point then he started doing that and everybody just kind of got quiet <laughs> yeah I, I i just walked away from the situation dude I yeah couldn't... i think you handled that perfectly <laughs> i couldn't be a part of that uh i have a question for you yeah so in comedy, you know, when you go on stage, you try out jokes, you know stuff's good or bad based on, you know, you, you're either they're getting laughs, they're, you're getting laughs or they're silent or, you know, whatever in between. 
and that's how you tell if a joke is going to work or not, doing that a bunch of times and the feedback you get. When it comes to music, what? how do you judge? Like, Do you, do you use the audience as much to judge or do you know oh for yourself? sure absolutely yeah. i mean once again you have to entertain like that's that's your best source you know yeah you, you know before you record an album go out and play the 10 songs you're going to put on a thousand times and see what kind of reactions you get see what order you're going to put them and see if they need to be changed um i think that differs i think that uh, depends on what kind of act you're doing so if you have a band or you're a full band and you have like 10 songs with a full band uh you go on stage it could just be you know, maybe someone was louder than the other one. And, you know, maybe the bar didn't have good sound or maybe one person messed up. So it messed up the whole song. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But as a solo act for me, it's pretty straight up because I don't use any pedals. I don't use any uh, effects. I literally take my guitar and I plug it into the house speakers. Oh, okay. And it's just it's just raw down to the bone. Um, with me, it's um, I'd say it's a few things. One, it's where I place the song. Uh the song itself, like where I place it in the set, if I maybe played a super heavy song that like had really intense lyrics and was a little, uh, little, just a little heavier mm-hmm. regarding sound and uh, and what I'm talking about, you know, it puts it puts the room in a certain mood. Yeah. And if I followed it up with like a super bright, happy-go-lucky song, you know, while the while the two opposite concepts can be uh, attracting, can grab the audience really quick, mm-hmm. at the same time, it can totally destroy what you just did. Okay. You know, so it's about kind of like building a foundation, you know. So if you're going to play start the set with three kind of darker songs, how are you going to transition to the lighter songs? Or you're going to do dark light, dark light, how are you going to work with those? So that that has a lot to do with um what works and what doesn't. So I consider that after every show, what, how did I place the songs and how did I introduce them? Did I talk in between these two or did I just go song to song? Um also I think it's. I think I. I benefit, and I'm. I'm a. I'm lucky right now that I'm a solo act because there's no. There's nothing to hide behind with uh-huh. it. So if I play a song and it's just not good, it doesn't matter where I place it. Like it's just not a good song. It means I'm either throwing it away or I'm rewriting it. So that's 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 a big one for me, especially with new songs. Uh-huh. Like I definitely have songs that I always play. Like my the finisher is always this, you know right now is this pretty much the same. The opener, I have like three different openers I always choose from. They're very strong. Uh, there's like two songs that I always put in my sets because they're incredibly powerful and they always get the audience's reaction. Okay. And then that kind of leaves the slots for uh, for trying out new stuff. Like, all right, is this new song going to work here? I mean, sometimes, it's, sometimes the new songs are really, really good, but can I go on stage in front of like 200 people and play this? Well, no, I can't. Or yes, I can't. You know, for example, if, if a song's kind of lighter that, you know, if I recorded it, just acoustic and vocals, like someone could uh-huh. sit in their car all alone and they could enjoy the song. But if I'm playing at the fucking House of Blues and there's three, 400 people in the crowd in the foundation room, like, you know, drinking, waiting for a show and a band just went on and I walk on with an acoustic guitar, I can't play that soft song. I, I can play uh, more happier songs uh, in the sense of soft, if you want, like kind of lighter songs, mm-hmm. but they still have to be big. That has to be a big aspect. Because I have to put on a show with just an acoustic guitar and it's music. So if I had if I had a band, maybe then it's a different story. Maybe I want to play a soft acoustic, but I got a bass in the background and I got a drummer, you know, using uh, those li- lighter sticks and just touching the cymbals. It sets a mood, so I can pull that off. Yeah. But as a solo act, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's it's kind of honestly, it's my favorite place to be on stage as a solo act. Okay. Um, and the reason is because of those factors, the things we talked about just now, or I just said, is you can't hesitate. Yeah. You can't, f- you can fuck up all you want, but you can't hesitate with what you're doing. 
-hmm. There's no hiding behind anything. Like, if you play a bad song, you played a bad song. Yeah. You can't blame it on the drummer or the bass player or the other guitar player. You can't blame it on anyone else but yourself. And if the song is bad because you just wrote it poorly, then you know that. Or the song is bad because it didn't fit in a crowd. Like, I have, I probably have about 15 songs in my list of songs that I have never played live because they're just not gonna work live without a full band or without a production. On an album, it's totally different. I can mm -hmm. do whatever I want. But I think, uh, and that's why like, you know, I talked about the order of the songs. Like that's so important because one, you're going on stage and you have to limit yourself to a certain number of songs that you have. And then with those songs, can you make a set out of them? So uh, I th yeah, I think it's, I think it's very similar um, I can't speak for a full band because mm -hmm. I haven't been on stage with a full band enough mm -hmm. to really to speak for them. But as a solo act, yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. It's pretty. There's a lot of details you really got to put into play. You really got to you got to consider things. You got to pay yeah. attention to things. Um, and regarding how you tell, uh, like how what 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 the signs are, what the what the hints are. One, you'll feel it. If you're if you're really present in the moment, if you're really passionate about what you're doing, and you're playing a song, and you feel that it's not right, like you should that that should be your first judgment. Like you know, if you're not feeling yeah. it, you're the one playing it. Like shit, there's, there's no going past yeah. that. Uh, you can tell what the audience faces. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, people's eye contact, how long they stay on you, what they're looking at. Are they looking at my voice, like my mouth? Are they looking into my eyes? Are they looking at my guitar? Or are they looking across the bar or talking to someone else? Like the face, where they're looking is a huge one for me. I pay attention to all the people where they're looking. Okay. So like say I'm, I'm singing a new song and they're only looking at my guitar the whole time. means the lyrics and the melody of my voice really isn't that impactful. It's the guitar that's grabbing their attention. It doesn't mm -hmm. make it a bad song, but that's something to consider. Also, of course, are they paying attention? Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, one of, one of my things is before I start a song, I kind of look and see I try to not count, but put a group together the people that are looking at me. I play the song. After the song, I pay. I look and see who's looking at me then. So then it tells me how much people did I, how many people did I gain okay. in that time. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, especially as a solo act, uh, that go into determining what's good and what's not. Uh, if I had to put them in numbers, I'd say one: Do you feel it? You have to listen to yourself. You have to care about what you do and care about what you feel and your opinion. That has to matter. Two. Where are people looking when you're playing the song? And three, uh, how many people are paying attention before and after the song? Okay. And applause, people are always gonna clap. Drunk people clap at everything. Uh, if someone if someone goes on stage and plays a guitar and pours their heart out, everyone's gonna clap after. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. I just you know it's it's almost like a pity clap. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, it's it's totally different. But you know, I say I can't hide behind a band, but compared to you, I can hide behind a guitar, like. You know, I can't tell you how many how many times I've gone on stage and just I was like, man, this this is not really working my in my favor. I think I'm just gonna fucking shred for five minutes and just play a ripping solo. Boom, I got everyone's attention. I can I can hide behind that. I got that in my back pocket all the time. But for you, it's uh, I mean, I'm not a comedian, but you don't you don't have a guitar to fucking rip on. Yeah, you know, you're just like, do I have a different joke? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I kind of rambled on there. But no, I I I think there's I think there's a huge art form. To entertaining to performing on stage I think it's an incredible incredible place to be it's the most comfortable I've ever been believe it or not I've never been nervous on stage with a guitar I've never been nervous I've, I've never been more present to be honest what about when you first started even then or uh, when I first started I, th <laughs> I remember the first time I played like my songs I was at some house 
in uh in Beverly Hills, some rich kid's house or something like that. The guy I was working with uh put together a little showcase for like parents and friends. Oh, I yeah. think I was eighteen or yeah, eighteen at the time. And I did it as a favor to him because he asked me to come play and I had never really performed my songs. I was just kind of playing them. And there was like a lot of like 13 and 14 year old kids playing on this little like block in the yard oh. for like, it was like 15, 20 people. And then I went on, I remember being really, what I thought was nerves. I was like, really like, oh man, oh man. I got on stage and I realized that I couldn't fucking wait to get on stage. Cause the moment I walked on stage, like I was feeling what you would consider nerves. I was so nervous. And then I got on stage and it went away and I realized like I was nervous. I just couldn't wait any longer. I had to be here. I wanted to yeah. be here. This is where I belong. This is where I want to be. I want to be sharing. I want to be in this moment. I want to, you know, it's a sense of control and power for sure, but I want to feel that. I want to feel that beautiful moment. So after that, it was, uh, I never really got nervous. I fuck up a lot uh, <laughs> just because I play super fast sometimes. I, go, I start songs too fast and whatnot, but I don't, I don't get nervous when I'm going to perform music. Other things for sure, but it's 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 totally excitement. I just want to get on stage and never get off. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I know what you mean when you get that feeling, and then that happened to me like yesterday. I was like, I want to get, I just like want to get on stage. I just want to do it. Yeah, you know? and it's like this, but it's that same exact feeling as being nervous. But yeah, yeah. Once you get on stage, you just you feel more comfortable. It's hard to it's hard to walk off. Sometimes, yeah, just because, especially when a, when a crowd's feeling you, like when I'm just imagine oh, when yeah. a crowd's just laughing their ass off. You're like, man, I just want to stay here for the next hour and tell jokes and fuck yeah. around. <laughs> you know, it's and it, it's it's hard for I mean for people that don't perform, it's hard for them to realize that it's not that we're getting attention. It's not that we're like famous for that one moment. It's not that people are paying attention to us. It's that it feels so good to care so deeply about what you're doing and have such an impact. It's like, I don't care if my name is never remembered, but to be in this moment and have that impact and share that, I mean, fuck, yeah. you can't beat that. I just like making hot chicks laugh, dude. Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> the secret. What did you say before you before we started recording? You said comedians and cars, that's what gets uh, gets chicks? Comedians and cars. No, uh, have you ever seen that show? Comedians? I've seen the show, but oh, yeah. I heard you say comedian, comedians and cars. I'm like, those are the two pillars. Oh, How do you get chicks? you either a comedian or you got a car. Yeah, <laughs> or both, dude, if you're lucky. There's very few of those. <laughs> comedians with cars. Yeah, there was a lot of jokes about uh, comedians making money last night. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, definitely tough to start to make money as a comedian. <laughs> no, they're not all Kevin Hart. Yeah, he fucking. Well, I mean, he's also an actor. But yeah, true. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, reading his book right now, and when I say reading his book, I mean listening to his audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only person and that reads books anymore? Everyone does audiobooks, nerd, dude. Um, you know what the I issue is? Some, I can't like if someone has a bad voice right off the bat. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not. I don't care. I'm oh, not listening. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah, I read. Well, he narrates it himself. Oh, that's so, different. Yeah, if if the person narrates it, th those are the ones I mostly listen to. Um, but yeah, I, I like to read. I I like to, for audiobooks, I like to do more like. Um, I, I don't like. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. Mm, I don't know. That's stupid. <laughs> uh, but like yeah if like someone's well more said, storytelling eloquent. more like storytelling books and i'll read more educational books see what i'm saying like if it's like a finance book if it's a you know real estate sort of but those no, kind of yeah, books I all, you. like you want to be told a story you want to read about facts yeah exactly yeah, no, I, I, I can i can roll with that yeah. yep, i like yep, that yep yep yep, yep. <laughs> um so speaking of being on stage and figuring out what works. I imagine you've bombed 
Oh, yeah. I want to hear your worst bombing story. Oh, my worst bombing story. Um, oof, there's been a couple. So there's there's some where you go up there and you're just getting nothing. And <laughs> People but, just don't but, give a shit. But no one – but it's like no one has the whole night, you know? It's like a really like crappy open mic and everyone's bombing. And those nights you're just like – Eh, I'm gonna bomb. Let's see how this goes. And you go up. So that's one thing. It's another thing if you go on stage and like this happened to me once. There was like this older crowd there, and people were going up and they were killing with their jokes. And it was very. I, was, I think I was like fourth, and there was like three people had great sets. There's like a cr- actual crowd there, and then I go up, <laughs> and I decide I, once again I'm trying. It's an open mic too. But I'm trying new stuff, but there's like a crowd there, so normally you're just cr- trying new stuff in front of a couple people, you know. And other comedians, probably. Yeah, other yeah. comedians. This r- night is packed for some reason. I decided to try new stuff, getting nothing, and it was it wasn't like it, it was edgy new stuff too. It oh was God. like Let's the older see crowd. You said, yeah, older crowd. <laughs> oh well, not, man, not not edgy. I would say it was weirder new stuff. You know, Still. You, you, yeah, you heard some of my weird jokes, yeah. and I was getting nothing, and I was, it was bad, uh, completely bombed. And the person after me went up, and they did great again. How do you recover? Um, you that night you drive home and you're like, I suck, I should quit. Um, never do <laughs> and this again. And you cry yourself sleep. And then the next day you're just like, all right, time to go to another one. But well, it's, I don't, I don't mean for you for sure. I think you have a very uh, impressive work ethic and a very impressive way of treating yourself, which is an important part of creativity and vulnerability. Um, but I think a lot of people, I mean, I felt this myself, and I think it's very easy to bomb one time or have something go wrong and then not just go home and tell yourself that sucked and wake up and go for it again. I think a lot of people struggle. Yeah. So do you do you have something, something you do or something you tell yourself or that basically you can pick yourself up the next day? Um, pretty much just like everyone bombs, you know, everyone's going to have a bad night. And that's what I tell myself. I'm like, you know what? I just got to keep doing it, you know? And because I, yeah, sure. I could stop, but what will you know, why would I just quit after everyone's gonna have a bad set? It's like quitting like a sport after having a ba- like one bad game or something, but it happens a lot. So a lot of bad games. Well, see, I think a lot of it is attitude too. You have a mm-hmm. good attitude. Yeah. Um, I was playing a show one time. And I was playing with like four other bands that night and I was opening up cause I was a solo act of course. Um, and I played and I, I had the crowd. I played mm-hmm. a kick-ass show. I had the crowd. It was going really well. And this band came on after and you could tell it was the front man show. Like there was a guitar player, bass player and a drummer. And then there was the guy up front. He didn't introduce his band once. First off, that's just mm-hmm. already a fucking bad call. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was clearly just, he was trying to be the center of attention. He was trying to be the best front man he could, which, you know, go for it. But he was, he was very, he was very about himself. Yeah. Um, and I remember after he played his set, you know, by the time they finished, not a lot, a lot of people were paying attention. Um, and more people had paid attention to me and I'm just a guy with an acoustic guitar. Oh yeah. And, um, I remember I was, uh, I was having a beer at the bar and he came by before, like be- be- in between sets from his mm-hmm. band to the next band. And he came by and he just, without missing a beat for about 10 minutes complained about the crowd 
complained about how oh. they don't know what good music is, how they don't know what it takes. They'll never understand why bother showing up if you're not going to pay attention. Like all this stuff is just one excuse out of the other. I wanted to knock the fucking guy out, but I was <laughs> like, you know what? I'm he's he's already knocking himself out. But I, I realize not. I've I guess I've kind of always realized. Um, but I got to see firsthand like a bad attitude like that because you can bomb like that guy bombed his band bombed yeah his band members weren't even hanging out with him they obviously don't like him oh you know yeah uh and he just sat there and complained about what everyone else did when he was the one performing so that's i mean that's why i asked because for you to for you to bomb i mean everyone bombs on stage yeah. like you said but to get back up and have a good attitude that i that's almost almost seems like it's bred it's yeah. like genetic yeah, like you either or you're born with the ability to pick yourself back up, or you're just gonna bitch the rest of your life. Yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah, you gotta have a positive attitude about it, or you're just gonna be, you know, just a, always in a bad mood. You know, n- like thinking you're terrible, which well, maybe might not be like most, maybe not even positive. Like hold yourself accountable. Like, did you not just oh, fucking yeah. write all that stuff? Whether it's jokes or music, tell yourself I'm worthy of getting on stage, performing this stuff because it's I think it's that good. Did you not? Go through all those steps personally. You yeah. made those decisions. And then just because someone decided to go to a place one night and have a drink and listen to you and they didn't listen to you the way you wanted them to, like people don't Dude, hold themselves accountable. So I think that has a lot to do with the attitude. Yeah. Oh, holding yourself ca- accountable is so big because you got to go on stage. And it's one thing if you go on stage and everyone's bombing, no one's paying attention, everyone has a bad set. And you're like, okay, maybe the jokes are fine. And I just got to, you know. I got to keep working on it and maybe work on some crowd work, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, you and then you do the jokes again and they work the next night. That's one thing. It's another thing if those same jokes keep on bombing and bombing and you're like, oh, this is – it's the, the crowd doesn't want to laugh. Oh, this – I feel like it's a big thing with the whole, like, um, just like people saying PC culture, yeah. which is – yeah, okay, it is. Sure, there's some PC culture, some stuff, you know, you can't say anymore. But some people just have bad jokes. You know, they're not funny, and yeah. they want to blame it on PC culture. It's like, it's don't like, don't blame what's going on on the fact that you suck at what you do. Yeah, like, take take some accountability, you know? If if it's happening every night, you know, and maybe you're, you're just not funny, and you're trying to be, <laughs> like, you're trying to have that shock value. Well, see, now, there there's a, there's a really, really good talking point. Uh, sorry, I don't want to uh, go too far off, but the idea that if you go on every night and it's not working— I can't tell you how many times I've seen guys go on stage or, you know, bands or whoever go on stage. And, I mean, it's clearly not their first show. Mm -hmm. You're playing the House of Blues. You're playing the Baked Potato. You're playing, you know, a good club in L.A. kind of thing. And you've done this before, so you've got to know somewhat of what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And you're going on stage and you're playing and it's obviously not working. And, like, as a musician, I can tell who's been doing this Who's been playing the circuit? Who's been playing clubs every night? Who's been trying to get you know shows? Who and who's up there their first time? It's like you know, I mean Helen Keller could fucking figure that shit yeah. out. It's not working. Same yeah. thing with comedians. So then I ask myself, and I, and I this is this is a kind of a brutal thing to think about, but why the fuck do you keep getting up? You know it yeah. doesn't work. Maybe you're in denial. Maybe you think it's gonna work. But you could have this. You could play the same exact song or tell the same exact joke by your fucking self in your in your room, and like I get it. You're pouring your heart out. Like that's good. Mm-hmm. Go for it. But if you've done it 15 times in a row, say you play in one month, you play 15 nights. You play the same five songs or tell the same five jokes, and it doesn't work. I'm not gonna have any sympathy for you if month two comes around and you're still doing the same set. 
Oh yeah. It's not that you should, you know, be down on what you do, but if you're not working to be better, especially with, I mean, that's the most, that's the most prominent way of telling what's good and what's bad. You go up and perform in front of people. That's what we do in any sort of creativity that involves entertainment. Like we go on, we go to the entertainment, we go on stage and we, we do what we do. That's the fucking number. That's the top. There's nothing past that. That's what you do. Yeah. You go up there and you're doing the same shit and it's not working. Like I can't feel sympathy for you anymore. I'm glad that you care about what you do and like you're passionate about it. If you have a good attitude, sure, have a good attitude. But good attitude is is important. But if you're not willing to work and make it better or like write a better joke, yeah, write a different set, then fuck you. Exactly. Yeah. I, or I can't adjust deal with that. the joke. You gotta do something. You know, if you keep doing the same exact thing, that's that's you. That's your problem. That's your fault. You have to. At, at least, if you're going to do the same joke, at least try and make tweaks to it. You know, if you feel like this is – if you feel like this is funny, I want to make this a joke and it's not working, change something. Don't keep saying the same exact thing, the same exact words, the same exact cadence, everything. Waiting for someone to laugh so you yeah. can sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, you got to change something yourself. It's way too brutal point. of an industry to be pulling shit like that. Yeah. You're, you just need to go. Yeah, and then if you – if you're there's the opposite problem where you – do the same stuff every night because it does work and you're doing it at open mics and you already have it down you know you've been doing the same stuff forever and you have no new material that's another problem like you have to make you have to put yourself in situations where you might bomb because you you're trying brand new stuff and it might not work and you can't be afraid to bomb well also i also just it's it's kind of frustrating to me, and it it just sucks to see when people like they love what they do in the beginning, sure. And like you said, if someone does the same set, and they're doing it for however long, like maybe ten years, they've been doing the, telling the same jokes. You know, all that tells me is that at some point you really cared about this, and then at another point you stopped. You found what worked, and you just went with it, and it got you, made you a paycheck, or got you attention. And that's frustrating to me because I don't care, you know. Money's one thing, the industry is another thing, all that stuff is whatever it is. But if you can't sit down and tell yourself that you want to be better about with what you care about, then why the fuck are you doing it? Yeah. Like why the fuck even bother? I mean, I've been playing for 20 years and I still run the same stupid scales <laughs> with that stupid fucking metronome. Yeah. I still do that a few times a week. It's not fun. Yeah, but you got to do it. But I do it because I know that I'm going to be one week of practice better. Yeah. And it's not for me to impress anybody else, but because I care about what I'm doing. I want to be the best that I can be. As cliche as that sounds, you know, and when you when you see creative people lose that, especially, I mean, it, fuck, especially in comedy, like you have to be funny. If you lose that, then like, you know, it's like Jack White said, people see that. People yeah. can feel that. I don't care if they're uneducated in what you're doing or not. Like, they can feel that. We're human beings. We're, we all relate on a certain level. We vibrate with each other. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's no hiding. There's, yeah. no, there's no getting around that. And that, that kills me. I hate to see that. And it, and it sucks when you see people that have made it and become somewhat of a, of a leading figure or a face of some, something, mm -hmm. and they lose that. Yeah, because then that sets it back how many, however many years, you know, creativity gets stifled and shut down with people that are just willing to go on and do the same shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it shows like it could be scary too. Like if you have jokes that work, you know, it could be scary trying that new stuff out. But you have to do it. You're gonna be stuck with the same stuff forever. And I'm sure it's like same with musicians. You have a a great album you put out, and then 
okay, that album's out. Now you got to come up with new stuff. It's probably like, okay, that was really good, but what if this next one's awful? You know what I mean? You have to that's, be That's actually to... a really fucking good statement because a lot of people diss on musicians and talk shit because they'll release an album that was really good, and it's quote-unquote their sound. And then they release an album later that's totally something different and not their sound, and they get ridiculed for it. Now, there's two sides to that. One, yeah, it could suck. It could not yeah. be as good as the first album. That's opinion-based, of course. But two, I think... No matter what, as long as you stay true to what you care about, as long as you stay true to your core values, like I pick up the guitar and I write songs from my heart, what's going on in my life or what I care about, and it's vulnerable, whatever you add on to that, whatever you do with that, will still have, quote unquote, your sound. Because yeah. that's who you are. The same thing with jokes. If you go on stage and if Logan Kuros went on stage and tried to tell different jokes that someone else would tell, it wouldn't work. Yeah, People would hate you for it. Exactly. If that other guy that was meant to tell the jokes told them, they'd love him for it. It's all about that honesty, that genuine thing. You, I say explore as far as you possibly can. Be as creative as possible. Take every fucking risk, but no matter what you do, never lose sight of who you are and what you care about. To live a day and not care about what you're doing is fucking death in itself. Damn, that was deep, dude. Oh, yeah? <laughs> What'd you read that one, dude? What, what hardcover book did you get that out of? Dude? You know, you see enough faces in the crowd. I mean, I know you just started <laughs> comedy in the last year or something like that, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been doing this a, music a long time, and, you know, I'm only a long time for me. I mean, I started when I was five, but you get – you learn a lot from people's reactions that really hurt you. Oh, yeah. When you beat yourself up from some from what someone else rea- did or their reaction, mm-hmm. that's where you learn a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's where this is coming from. Uh, what's – the worst is when you see everyone having a good time, and there's one person you pick out. Do you ever do that? Oh, and yeah. they have, like, a straight face. They look mad, like – Try to impress them, kind of thing. Yeah, it, everyone else is having a good time, but you pick out that one person, and you're like, "What's oh, what's going on? Like, what am I doing wrong?" And you're like getting mad at yourself. It's a, uh, I, I, yeah, I have a problem with that. But um, that's not a, that know, I get mad at myself, problem. but it's that's like a good problem to have, dude. Yeah, it's like you know, I'm like, what is, what am I not doing to get to you? But yeah, that was just a quick, oh, quick little comment. I wanted to put out there. <laughs> so with a comedian, because the music industry is just. It's a lot of things. It's, mm-hmm. you know, so-called the hardest business in the world. But as a comedian, what are the steps? Like, say ideally, say everything worked out for you and yeah. you, you know, you went down the road and you became like a Kevin Hart successful level. Mm-hmm. Like, what would be the steps to getting there? That's what's weird about comedy is there's no, there's no set. Well, same with music. There's no yeah. set steps really it, it's gonna be different for everyone it also depends like what you want to do with comedy do you want to use comedy to be a stand-up comedian and that's it like you know travel do let's go with that gigs? say you say you want to travel and do stand-up shows what's yeah. what's like the ideal situation like you start playing you know shitty dive bars for open mics and mm-hmm. then you get one good gig what happens after that like what would be the ideal situation so it, it depends so it, like let's say if you want to go on the road there could be someone who is on the road, you're doing your stuff, you're the, out there every night doing your jokes, doing your jokes. Someone who's going on the road likes you, says, hey man, you wanna come on the road with me? Do the, it could be just someone seeing you, and then you end up opening up for them, and that could open up different paths for you. You know, someone else sees Very you and likes you. They, yeah, they, they, want, they, they want you to headline, it could be this, it could be that. If you wanna, um, some people want to do it to get into they want to use comedy to get into Hollywood or something or become an actor so that's a whole other path I don't really 
I'm not big into acting. Yeah. I, uh, but yeah, that's that's enough. So they want to use the comedy to kind of just add it to their resume for their acting. Um, okay. Some people want to. Um, What's the other thing I was gonna say? Uh, oh, right. Like if you want to be like a writer on a late night show, you okay. know, you you uh, write a packet of like jo- you send in packets of jokes and stuff written to some. Uh, these would be jokes about like daily news or something like something okay. that happened today in the news. You send like an SNL like kind that. of thing. Uh, well, that would be more like Conan or something. Uh, okay, it's Conan. Night show. SNL is another one you could audition for. SNL. There's um, so there's a lot of routes for yeah, comedians. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of different routes for comedians. There's the people on YouTube who just you know they they put they get big from YouTube, and that's not you know it could be from stand. A lot of stand-up comedians are doing stuff outside you know on social media and stuff too. And that opens up a lot of doors. So I got a question for you. When you're when you're doing your shows and you're doing open mics or like flappers last night, mm-hmm. do you ever like talk to the other comedians and kind of like find out what their goals are and what they're going for with the show? Uh, what do you, with you mean with like, the show itself or like with well I mean like like what so th- why are you doing the show? Are you doing this because you want to go down the route of I'm going to tour as a stand up comic, or are you going out like oh I'm trying to practice my comedy skills so I can become a writer for comedy shows or you know like do you ever get any answers like that from those yeah, people? Yeah, uh, yesterday I did, yesterday actually I talked to the guy who um, who was my favorite uh, was it Josh I think was that his oh name? my god he was so funny <laughs> he was my favorite he, and the guy with the lisp right yeah oh he man he for. Uh, uh, Lou, with Louis Anderson for oh, a while. Shit. He's like six years in. I can see that and, combo. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, he was fat dude with a lisp opening up for Louis Anderson. So <laughs> funny, dude. But he was. Uh, yeah. So I, I didn't. I didn't ask him why he was doing this show. But yeah, he had been t- touring with Louis. I think he just moved to um, L.A. not too long ago. But yeah, that's. So he's. That's something he did in the industry. So I don't know where he's going with it. If he wants to just do stand up, or if he wanted to get into acting or something. Okay. But I know that's what he's done. Uh, then I talked to people who, a lot of people that move out to L.A. are doing it because they want to get into acting or screenwriting, you know, something. Seems to be kind of like a, a yeah. stepping stone. Yeah, L.A. is a big uh, kind of use uh, comedy to supplement your acting sort of area. Um, in Las Vegas, I know there's some people that want to just uh, like do start to do road gigs and then just become a comedian. They want to be a comedian, you yeah. know, that they want to be a stand-up comedian. That's what they want to do. And, you know, if act, if they get offered something, they'll do it. Like as far as acting goes. Yeah. A lot of the guys are doing that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for me personally, I want to do stand-up. I'm not really big into getting into, even though I'm in LA, I'm not like too interested in getting into acting. Unless what about writing? Um, writing as far as what like like late night shows or well late night shows like you know I've we've known each other since we were kids yeah you know we we've been going to school together you know getting we, chicks dude yeah. heck yeah well one of us has been getting chicks you've been watching You're right you haven't oh <laughs> you beat me to it um but and like you're you're definitely kind of you know just you have a lot of energy a lot of charisma a lot of good qualities oh, thanks, um. Bro in that in the performance realm and you you want to be just a stand-up comic and i think you're going to be great at it. i think you're going to succeed i think with your work ethic with your uh skills with your natural talent i think you're going to do great uh, regardless of what you go for especially in comedy um but i could totally see you getting on a skit like snl like being the guy that they fucking bring in for like every skit that just makes it yeah. so much <laughs> like what's the name of that guy the chubby dude uh chubby black dude what's his name 
Oh, um, he's he's my one of my fuck. Uh, I, I I know exactly what you're talking from about. a Good Burger kind of thing. Yeah, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking anyway, about. Anyway, he's he's saying. like one of those guys they bring in for like every skip he's because so he just funny. makes it funnier. Yeah, like I imagine you as you know if you want to do something like that, like you have that ability. You have the ability to walk in on any situation and make it funny because you've always done that. That's who you've been. Like ask any one of the guys we grew up with, or you know anyone we know. You know, I, I call my parents and told them I'm I'm having Logan on the podcast tonight. They're like, oh, that's gonna be funny. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how funny it's been, but yeah. you know, people have that that the view on you. Educational, education. Yeah. <laughs> have that view. On you. So, would you if like if if someone came up to you, for, like say SNL, someone from SNL comes and say, hey Logan, we want you to come be on the show right with us and be in the skits. Oh, SNL, yeah, SNL would definitely be something I'd be interested in. It's uh like SNL, like late night writing, anything like that is something I'd be interested in. But mostly is uh, stand up comedy. But those are kind of things you see stand up comedians do those things, and it doesn't really you could still do your stand up comedy. I feel like it's similar to like you know you know famous artists that go on and perform. Like yeah, they do maybe do a collaborative album, or they go on and like you know oh I had this guitar player play the guitar parts on this album. Like I remember Michael Jackson had Eddie Van Halen play. Uh, Play on one of his, you know, play on one of. Oh my God, I'm blanking out on the fucking song. Goddamn <laughs> it, uh, beat it on the song. Beat oh, it. Eddie yeah. Van Halen played the guitars on uh, Michael Jackson's "Beat oh, It," no. and Fallout Boy went and you know re recorded it, and they had John Mayer come in and rip some fucking epic guitars on it. And it's like I feel like there's a lot of the, uh, that's kind of one of those things where it's like stand-up comics go out and they do their shows, musicians go out and do their shows, but there's such a interconnected world because you're good at what you do. Because you're great at what you do, there's so many more avenues for you. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I definitely envision you as one of those people that definitely like, you know, you yeah, you go up and you do stand up, and everyone wants to see your shows, and you're hilarious. But you, ha- you, you have talents beyond that. You can work with people. You can get in and make things better. You enhance oh. them. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, don't but, let it uh, get to your head. Oh, <laughs> too late, dude. <laughs> too late. Um, but yeah, that and a lot of people use like SNL or, um. Was, or, or like the late night shows, you could use that to supplement your comp. Like you're like, oh, you've seen them on SNL, and you, you can get booked <laughs> from that. You know, a lot it's of a good people, resume a lot more marker. People, yeah, a lot more people want to see you. Like I saw Michael Che, and he got big from. Uh, he's a he does the, um, the is it the I forget the news part of it's some part of SNL. Oh, I know you're talking about the the daily whatever the, the yeah. Um, wait, no, Daily. I don't know. Just, I saw Michael Jay from SNL. I, just said <laughs> I saw him do stand-up in Vegas, and the place was packed out. And a big part of that is because he's on SNL. People know him from SNL, so yeah. they want to come see him. And uh, he's a hilarious stand-up comic, too. But that SNL helps him out. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's great. I mean, I, I, feel like, I feel like the entertainment industry alone, if you're – it's not necessarily that you have to do a million different things, but if you're great at what you do, it means it's not that you're just talented and skillful. It means that you're versatile. Yeah. Like means, you see everything Kevin Hart does. Yeah, I mean, know, like, like take studio musicians. Perfect example. Yeah. Studio musicians are the best musicians because they can walk in any situation and be good at what they do. You know, yeah. Kevin Hart is amazing because he can go do a stand-up tour like a fucking rock star. Yeah. You know, fill out stadiums like fucking Metallica and then go do a number one movie in the country. Yeah. You know, like, he can act. He can do comedy. He can set up events. He can produce. He can host things. Like, there's there's that versatility, but because he's great at what he does. Yeah. Which is comedy. You know, so that's um, – I think that's an important thing for anybody that's learning, uh, whether it's an instrument, whether it's do comedy, whether it's to act, 
whatever entertainment you're going into, creativity, whatever it is, you have to you have to get to a level where you're not just so skillful that you can you you can do use all your skills, but you're versatile that no matter what comes your way, you can be who you are with what you do, good at it in any situation. Yeah. So that I think that that that's an incredibly important lesson to learn. That's like a next level professional. Yeah. That's really what makes you a professional. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kevin Hart. He's at the point where he's not even a comedian anymore. He's just a. He's like an. He's so past that. It's yeah. He's like, an icon. Yeah. <laughs> He does. He's a superstar. It's it's crazy how. But yeah, like you said. It's but that's so good so to good see. Comedy. It's so good to see. Yeah. Because here's the, the, I mean that guy literally, he's he's a comic. Yeah. He he's all comedy. He does funny stuff, and you know he can because he's a good you know got more into acting. Like he he has the ability to work with people and change. You know, whether he wants to do a drama or a comedy, but he's a comedy comedy act. Yeah. And with that alone, he's taken it so far, and it's like a perfect example. Like, it's that possible. Yeah. If you're that good and that relentless and willing to push that much and say, "Hey, I'm not just going to be the best at what I do. I'm going to be able to use that in any situation." Yeah. You know, like that's what makes you the fucking best. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think I think he's a he's a wonderful wonderful example. I think he has another movie out now. Is it that uh, the upside thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah, seen that. I heard it's I heard it's either. pretty good. Um, so is this a, so? This is a career choice for you then, huh? Uh, yeah, I obviously still working right now because I'm not making too much money doing it. But hey, uh, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel you. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, this is what I want to do. So we're slowly taking it step by step. So uh, you live in Vegas. Yes. You're working at the job that you've you've explained to me like five times. Yeah. I still have no idea what you do. Um, commercial real estate. That's <laughs> just that's all you need to know. Okay, commercial real estate. <laughs> And you're doing stand-up comedy. How do you, how do you find gigs in Vegas? Um, I'm just starting to get booked out in Vegas now because I have a problem. You're supposed to, well, you should be asking for gigs. You know, once you start to do shows out there, I've I don't ask for gigs. I just wait for people to ask me because That's I don't want a wanna, terrible way to do things. Terrible. Um, <laughs> because I don't want to. I see so many people that just use each other to get spots they like try and act like they're friends and they're like oh yeah you want to well i shouldn't say i see so many people doing this but i've I've seen people do this where they're like oh yeah like you want to give me a spot at your show and i don't want people to think i'm like oh yeah let's just be friends so i could use you for a, a spot on your show and which is i i just i'm overly paranoid about that stuff you know what i mean i'm afraid to ask i, think I don't want to have a good as, moral compass yeah i think you uh I think what it sounds like is you don't want to build improper relationships, which, once again, I think is one of the most crucial parts to succeeding in anything, outside of entertainment, even. Yeah. You know, you. Uh, I think that's something to keep keep in your heart and mind at all times. But also, I think uh, there's a way to be relentless. There's a way to be yeah. ruthless. You don't just go out and fucking punch someone in the teeth and tell them they're a piece of shit. Well, first of all, don't tell them what to do. <laughs> I'll do what I want, okay? But like, there, there's a there's a way, like you know, say you become like, hey, you're playing a show, like, man, I've been trying to get it, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Obviously, I don't know how to you know, do it as a comedian, yeah. but you know, there's a way to do it on your own. I think I think as long as you're working on it yourself and pushing your hardest for yourself to get those gigs yeah. or whatever you want to do, uh, I think it's only appropriate if you see an opportunity and to present it properly. Like, yeah. you got to respect other people. And that's the issue. Like every everybody in the entertainment industry, not everybody. That's such a broad statement. But <laughs> a lot of a lot of up and coming people that are shooting for their big dreams, it's like 
they just look down on each other. Like, oh, I'm better than them. Like, oh, you're nothing compared to me. Like, I'm going to make it. You're not going to make it. I'm going to make it. You're not going to make it. And I think it's so important, regardless of how skillful or where someone's at in their career, to always show that level of respect. One, because you never know what what might come your way and what might come of that relationship, Mm -hmm. whatever, however deep it is. But if you can't learn to respect the people that are fighting for the same thing you are, how the hell do you expect to survive? Yeah. I mean, those are your fucking comrades. Yeah. <laughs> those are the people, like, they may not have the same vision as you. They may not be as good as you, or they might be totally better than you. But if you can't learn to respect them and stand by their side, then, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I, I understand where you're coming from. I yeah. definitely get that. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm getting better at asking for what I, I haven't asked for a gig yet. So I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get the one I'm of not uh, I auditioned for that one. And then I've got a couple more, like, I've, uh, a couple in Vegas coming up. Um, I have like three or four in Vegas coming up, just from people asking me after because they just see me like I'm out there every night. Yeah, uh, doing spots. I get every open mic I could hit, and then they see that and they're like, "Oh, hey!" Uh, like they recommend me for to someone who has a show. They're like, "Hey, you should let this guy have a spot." Um, and they'll like vouch for me. But yeah, I need to get better at asking for spots. Or and also I'll just hang out at the comedy club and get to know people. Which is a big part of it. They want to see yeah. you out there supporting the other comedians. Dude, I think it's inevitable yeah. to be out there every single night, to be giving it your all every time. I mean, and one, you're just you're naturally talented at it, but it's inevitable. I think, and I think that's something that people really push to the side. Is if you're willing to put that amount of work in, if even if you have fucking point zero one percent of talent, if you put more work than anybody else in, it's just inevitable because people are just grav- they gravitate towards that. Yeah. They can't. We can't help it. So yeah. it's who we are. We see that. So I, I mean, I'm happy to hear that every night. I expect the next time I talk to you to hear about at least five stories about you asking about gigs and how awkward it is. Though. Oh, okay, yeah. I well, want to hear the awkward conversations. We'll get to that. Yeah, I have a, I have a couple that I'll have to ask for once I uh, finish these spots up. But yeah, and then uh, oh, and then just yeah, because I don't know. I don't like to ask for, but another one. There's this uh, comedian out here that I met at my first flapper show and we just started to talk and he got me a gig at the that he got me that comedy store gig um you did a gig at the comedy store I have it's coming up when um like the 25th or something holy shit March, that's a, no, that's a serious that's a serious February? gig dude uh February 25th but yeah it's it's in the belly room but still it's a it's a fucking comedy store yeah it's it's still it's really legendary cool. I'm excited for that one but I'm actually going to last time I was there I saw Joe Rogan <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, he's there in the you know they're in the main room, but still I'm off. It's yeah, still don't it's still give really me that. Cool. Um, I'm still excited for it. Uh, but yeah, he I'm just gonna watch him tomorrow at the comedy store. Nice. So yeah, it's it's educational. Cool, <laughs> exactly, gotta educate myself on the. Well, shit, man, I'm I'm really 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 happy I brought you on because I uh, I think I think it's it's crazy, it's a crazy world we choose to to be in. Yeah, the industries we choose, and you know, we can get caught up. Like I get caught up in like, what's music doing? What's the music industry? What's the music world? Who's doing what? How are they doing it? And I think it's easy to forget that anybody that steps on a stage with original material, original content, is doing the same thing. Yeah. And I think it's so important to build a community. Like I want, I want to build a community of music and musicians and people to realize that it's still the forefront of things. But more importantly, I want to build the community of people that are willing to say 
I'll stand on stage and give it my best for what I believe in and care about. So it's really been a pleasure to have you on here. Oh, dude, thanks it's for been having fucking me. Fucking awesome. Been great. Is there anything you want to tell the world before you leave? Um, follow me on TikTok. Oh, God. do you really have one? I, I made one video. Oh my Actually, god, I don't even know I've how made, to use it. You got to show me. I've made three videos, and the first two got taken down because I was naked. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have one video. Like, butt naked, like dick and all. Uh, no, just butt. Well, butt naked. Oh, I guess literally. Yeah, yeah literally I guess that's butt naked. All right. Um. Yeah. So follow me on TikTok. Logan Kuros. It's a uh, comedian, Logan Kuros, something like that. Logan Kuros comedian. Oh I don't know. It's something, there's not a lot of Logan Kuroses out there. I think that that you know what? That's why that's why you're gonna succeed because you're willing to go where no one else will. <laughs> no, there's a bunch of like weird people on there. No, I know, but yeah. you're doing you're you're going just as weird as them as a joke, and not a lot of people will get that yeah. weird for a joke. It's a it's it's a good time, dude. I'm trying to. I really gotta start to tackle this. Go at it 100. percent 100. percent 100. percent Forget Instagram. Forget oh, Twitter. Jesus. I'm, it, TikTok. Follow me on TikTok. You're fucking wild, man. Dude, that's what they call me, the wild man. They don't call you that. They don't <laughs> they call don't you call anything. Me, they never call me that. Have you ever had a nickname? Um, uh, a couple, like, exes called me just the, the love maker. <laughs> Master love maker. You know, I know whoever's <laughs> listening to this is only listening to it, but I had to watch you say that, and that was painful. It was Hey, dude, it was painful I felt for me a, too. I felt I a want, little bit of your pain there. I, I do. I didn't want to have to, you know, make you feel inferior. Oh yeah. But, yeah. It's I, I don't know how I'm gonna move on. Yeah. You know, dude. You know the chicks and me. <laughs> we got a special bond. Oh my god. Hey. Don't wink at me. It's only us in here. <laughs> don't wink. Did at the camera pick that one up? <laughs> There's no camera. This is a podcast. Is, is there a hidden camera somewhere? I'm so glad I don't have hidden cameras. Oh, that would be so good. No. no. Okay, sorry. I've been getting a lot of trouble. Dude, you have too many guitars. Let's talk about that for a no, second. No, there's you no have such 17 thing. 17 guitars in this room. Actually, I think I literally have 16 guitars right now. Jeez, dude. That's incredible. Teach That's... me how to play one. Yeah? I'm going to become a musical comedian. Because they haven't done that before. <laughs> it's new. new That's dude, hard to do. Yeah. That's another level. It is. I can't even begin to think about <laughs> that. That's ridiculous. They always crash hey, and burn, too. Dude, they, they say that it's got to be the first time for everything okay. wow that was so so deep so uh, philosophical so there <laughs> anyway thanks for coming on the studio corner man oh thanks uh, for having me i hope hopefully i want to i want to have you back on but i want i want to know that you're going out and getting gigs first oh i'll be getting gigs. yeah next time and don't then worry. we're gonna talk about Dude, it. i'll have a story about how i threatened a guy with it with this thing whatever this gold you want to you want to take the mascot with you yeah take the, i'll take the mascot i'll threaten the guy i'll bludgeon him with it and then it'll give me a gig. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to have you back on for that. Oh. I'll just bring the mics to you. Okay. Yeah. In jail. Bring, yeah, bring you in prison. <laughs> yeah. We'll have the podcast there. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm excited. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Logan Kuros, everybody, the up-and-coming comedian. On TikTok, Logan Kuros, comedian or something like that. Oh, my God. Bye. I love you. Bye. <laughs>